podcast as part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to today's episode of the 49ers Unrestricted Podcast. I'm Timmy Gibson here with my co-host, Daniel Bigelow. Daniel, how are you doing this fine Monday morning? Timmy, I am so good. I loved that game, but I could not be doing better than you. Uh, listeners, Timmy got engaged over this weekend, so congratulations to Timmy. That is true. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, listeners. You um, applaud noise. <laughs> yeah, we, have, we don't have sound effects, but I'll, we'll, we'll put that. You can imagine the applause there. But thank you all. It's been, it's been an exciting weekend, but one of the... Uh, the downsides of having a busy week was that we were not able to have an episode up last week, but we are going to do a quick, Daniel, I think you want to do a quick two week recap, talk a little uh, 49ers Jaguars, 49ers Vikings, get everyone up to speed. I'm not sure if you want to take that away. Yeah, we, we were just going to try to get through uh, both weeks here in our podcast this week. So let's start with the Jaguars um, and the, the breakdown of that game. Yeah. Um, the Niners won and they won pretty easily. That's about it. Yeah, let's, move, let's move on to the Vikings. Uh, the Niners won, and a little less easily, but much yeah. more fun in a much more exciting way. And there's, I think, the big thing we want to take away is Daniel and I can't. We're going into the Jaguars game. We left you guys with the thought of if the 49ers are for real, if this is a momentum shift, and rather than just a fluke beating the Rams, the 49ers need to win these next couple of games, and they've done it. I mean, beating the Jaguars in convincing fashion. That was a good. That was the type of win that a good contending playoff team gets over a bad team like the Jaguars. So that was great to see. Exactly. And now you have a showdown between two NFC playoff contenders in the Vikings and the 49ers, the 49ers again come out on top. So winning those kind of games back to back, that's the kind of thing that really makes me think the 49ers are for real going into the latter half of the NFL season and hopefully setting off a little playoff push. Especially in the way that they did. Like if we beat the Jaguars by, if the Niners beat the Jaguars by a field goal, we'd be having a different, a different tone or a different conversation here. We're like, yeah, they won, but not like they're supposed to. Same thing in the first two weeks where we barely beat the Eagles. We barely beat the Lions comparatively to what we thought the game should be. This is what you had said. This is exactly the win that we needed. And same thing with the Vikings, that this is the kind of win we needed. It, it yeah. wasn't easy. They're a great team, especially of late. Um, and the Niners fought hard and it was an awesome game. It really was just an early playoff game before yeah. the game, the Vikings had the sixth seed and the Niners were in the seventh spot and now they have flip-flopped. So the quest for sixth seed is real and yeah. we are in it. The 49ers have the sixth seed, the quest for sixth seed. That's awesome. Um, the, the 49ers have that sixth seed one over the Vikings. If the season ended today, Daniel and I were talking beforehand, but there was just kind of a perfect storm of wins and losses the past couple of weeks in the NFL season that just brought things yeah, to bring the 49ers in to this spot. Holy crap, the 49ers only have one less win than the Rams this season. Did you know that? I'm looking at this playoff picture. 49ers are six and five. The Rams are seven and four. From the narratives surrounding those two teams this season, yes. you would think the Rams had one or two losses at most. But instead, Absolutely. the Rams are only one one uh, loss ahead of the 49ers. And They've had so, a rough last few weeks. Yeah. 
And if, for example, like the 49ers jumping into that fifth seed, they've already got the tiebreaker on the Rams with the one head-to-head win. I mean, that that fifth seed is not is not impossible either. But yeah, this team is is rounding into form in many, many ways, getting healthy at the right time. I think we, Daniel and I have had lots of thoughts on the Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo thing, but I think based on the past couple of weeks, there's no question that Jimmy Garoppolo needs to be the guy for at least probably the rest of this season, barring injury or an incredible setback. I mean, he's been playing the best football the past past three weeks. I think he's led the NFL in expected points added per play or per pass attempt. He's been been playing the best football of of his career. So I think the currently the Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo debate for this season needs to be put to rest once and for all credit to Kyle Shanahan. Um, we've ripped him many, many times, but he does not deserve to be ripped at all for the things that have happened the last three weeks. And just what I, what I wish everyone understood about Jimmy Garoppolo is that he is not the, the most typical quarterback. He does not, he does not do things like, a like an Aaron Rodgers or a very different style like a Kyler Murray that people are usually really pleased with and think are awesome. Jimmy is not this star-studded quarterback who's going to have the best stat line out there, but he's going to do exactly what you just described to me is that that is the expectation of him. So for anyone who is still like not a fan of Jimmy G at least in this moment, you need to understand who he like actually is and what you are, should be expecting of him. Cause if, if you're expecting him to throw 300, 400 yards for three or four touchdowns, that will never happen. And if it does, it's thanks to Debo Samuel running the entire football field twice to get him the yards and sure. the touchdowns. But that's Jim- not the kind of team this is. And so Jimmy's doing exactly what we need. So we yeah. just need to remember what that is that he's supposed to be doing. Jimmy is the kind of guy who's going to run this system and he is surrounded by guys who can break off explosive plays. Debo obviously being the most visible of those explosive playmakers. But ultimately we've, we've talked about how this Shanahan quarterback system that's run by the McVeighs, LaFleur, Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland, all the, uh, even in Minnesota, they've run a pretty good variation of the system. They've, they've started to kind of go, you look at these coaches and LaFleur was the first to do it with Rodgers and now Stafford has stepped out or uh, McVay has stepped out and got Stafford. There has been a movement of saying, Hey, we need more than a quarterback who can just get it done, who can just distribute the ball to our receivers. We need a guy who can at points step above this system and make plays when the system fails. And that is ultimately why Trey Lance is coming in. That's why the 49ers traded two first round picks and moved up one and moved up in the first round to get him. And in the long term, there's no reason to believe that shouldn't work. But right now, he does not seem to be ready for that. It's working great for Jimmy Garoppolo. And so I think we'll see a movement in the NFL, like the system of coaches who run or the the group of coaches that run this system. There has been a shift away from I just need someone who can run the plays I tell them to. I need someone who can create out of structure, who can do things that like Aaron Rodgers can do. There has been a shift to that. And I think the 49ers are following along that with Trey Lance. But right now they've been proving how the creator of this system, Kyle Shanahan, can still make the system work in the right circumstances. And it's been it's been fun to see. You said I need a guy who can do things Aaron Rodgers can do. Do you mean like fake out Jalen Ramsey for a rushing touchdown? That's true. That was pretty awesome. 
Yeah, um, I mean, I just think Aaron Rodgers is the epitome of what happens when you put an elite, elite quarterback into this system. And he was the first, LaFleur was the first person we saw really do that. And now we've seen McVay completely change the offense with Stafford into a more drop back, pass, pure passing offense rather than the play action, bootleg stuff they were running before. And so I'm really curious what this offense looks like with Trey Lance, because obviously he's much more mobile than uh, any of these guys we've seen in a Shanahan system before. I'm I'm beyond excited to see what offense Kyle Shanahan builds around Trey Lance. But I guess what I'm coming back to is we've been reminded these past three weeks of how good the system is with a guy who can just run it and run it well. And that's what Jimmy's been doing. So that's like, that's like what you're saying is we're looking forward to, you know, I was, I want to get into Ian Rappaport said that there's reports before the game. um, But you're getting excited about what could be, we all are with Trey Lance there because the hope is that he'll be able to take it to the next level. The thing you just described about the Packers offense um, and the Rams offense, we're hoping that Trey can do that same thing, not just run the system, but take it to the next level. But I felt like it was minutes or an hour before the game. uh, Ian Rappaport tweeted and let everyone know that the 49ers plan to trade Jimmy Garoppolo in the off season and start Trey Lance in 2022. And he tells so some reporter asked Jimmy if he saw that in his post post game uh, press conference, and Jimmy's response was amazing. He said with an immediate smile and kind of chuckle on his face, "No, I didn't. I was worried about the game, but yeah. thanks for the heads up." Another reminder that Jimmy Garoppolo is a class act. <laughs> yes. I just cannot believe, I mean, I understand this is the reporter's job. They're trying to get the headline. They're trying to do all this kind of stuff, but I'm like the disrespect to just look at Jimmy and go, Hey, there's a report that the Niners plan to trade you and that Trey's going to start next year. He gets it. But also like, did you see that before the game? He's like, no, I was yeah. worried about going to win a football game, but like, thank you. Yeah, for that. And I, I think we all kind of think that's the move is, is to trade Jimmy to avoid that cap hit and to, to let Trey take over. I saw a report from someone else this weekend that the 49ers, maybe it was Florio, the 49ers might start Jimmy Garoppolo in 2022 as well. I don't buy that. This is not Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers. This is Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo and Hope and Trey Lance. And I, I do believe they're, they're going to hand over the reins because we've talked about how we thought the offense looked pretty good in his for the one and a half games of football he's played the offense did move so you have to think that like it's going to work when because ultimately he still just needs to run the system like the system works and so that cap hit we can get from trading jimmy i could see a team like the browns being interested that's been a lot of the nfl stuff i've been talking to has been saying jimmy to the browns makes a lot of sense recently so there's going to be a team in the market for jimmy garoppolo's services he's going to go on and have a good starting career i am excited to see to root for him this season and I do ultimately expect him to be traded in the 2022 offseason, but I agree that it's not really the right time to ask that question. <laughs> sure. Not, not the right time. Um, I don't even truth. Uh, honestly, for me, I don't even want to think about it this season. I just want to, I want to ride it out with Jimmy here. I love that we have Trey, but you know, Jimmy is doing exactly what we've said. Um, yeah. And I do believe that that cap space, if we trade him is necessary, especially um, I believe Debo has one more year on his contract. So, you know, that man's going to need an extension. Um, and I love that the announcers were joking yesterday. Is he going to get wide receiver money or running back money? Yeah. What that means is wide receivers just tend to make more money than running backs. And, yeah. but 
Debo is obviously, well, it's not obvious anymore, but Debo Samuel is a wide receiver. Who plays running back as well. (laughs) He had one reception yesterday for 12 yards, and he had six rushing attempts for 66 yards and two touchdowns. So yesterday, Debo was a running back. But I've, I've heard there's lots of jokes with Debo and Kyle where Debo is saying, hey, I'm showing you I can, like, I can do a lot of things. I can do this running back thing, but I still want to be paid like a receiver. Or he's like joking that he's like going to be done doing the, the rushing attempts if he's not going to get receiver money. So I think that's pretty funny. Um, yeah, and the, there are going to be, like we talk about turning Jimmy Garoppolo to make cap space. I mean, it's probably time to start thinking about extending Nick Bosa. Like he's coming off the end of his third year. They'll have him under contract for one more year. They do have that fifth year option, but I mean, Bosa held out before he signed his rookie deal. I don't know why he wouldn't be willing to consider holding out again. And he's going to demand the money of probably the highest paid pass defensive player in football. So that is a big one to look at other guys. I I would think Drake Greenlaw is probably coming up for an extension soon. Yeah. Um, that whole draft class. Yeah. There's just a lot and of deals. Actually, today. I was just going to say is that whole draft class. Cause they're all there. And we were just talking how that was one of the best draft classes, you know? Yeah. He might be wanting an extension. So, you know, punter money, it's, it's not free. So. He'll, yeah. He'll and so that, that I think is why when we think about like trading Jimmy Garoppolo, it's like, even if he's playing great and we want him playing next year, he's the easiest, probably the easiest way to cut cap space. Um, I'm just checking if there's any other guys from that draft class who we might yeah. need to worry about. Dre Greenlaw, um, Justin School has been, you know, a backup tackle for a while. He wouldn't demand a significant amount of money. Yeah, Dre Greenlaw, Debo Samuel, Nick Bosa. Those are the three we, those we are the need to worry about. Yeah, who would and Wishnowski. But yeah, punter money. I mean, it's going to demand a decent amount of money, but we'll we we'll get that one locked up. I'm sure. But yeah, there there's definitely a lot of a lot of things that they could do with the cap space that would kind of get to 20 plus cap clearing if they were to trade Jimmy. So. Hey, speaking of, before we get too far off of uh, this Debo wide receiver running back debate here. um, I love that he does the rushes, but I do miss when he is, I don't love when he's only thrown the ball one time or at least two targets, one reception yesterday, but you know, whatever works, whatever wins us the games, but it is nice to see Brandon Ayuk step up in the yardage um in kind of in place of Debo he only had three receptions off of six targets but for 91 yards um he had some good plays so I'd like to see him getting back form as well um but the thing I really want to note about Debo is he only had one pass for 12 yards yesterday but he surpassed the 1,000 receiving mark yesterday in 11 weeks we we should note that uh that two two weeks ago when Jonathan Taylor had his like four or five touchdown game and all of yeah. that, Debo had a higher like expected rushing yards above average or after contact or something like that. Then John, he had more yards after contact than Jonathan Taylor did. I think there was some stat that Debo was a better rusher in when Jonathan Taylor had one of the all time best running back games ever. Debo yeah. as a running back is working. Let's put it that way. Yeah, well, there have been three players in NFL history to eclipse 1,000 receiving yards, five receiving touchdowns, and five rushing touchdowns. Yeah. And Debo is one of those three, and he has done it. Actually, I guess it didn't specify if he is one of the three. I believe that's how it would work. But he has done it in 11 games. It is not, oh, he's one of the guys who did it in the season. He's done it in 11 games. You can believe he's going to get more receiving yards, and he's going to have – at least 
two more touchdowns, I'd say receiving and rushing. So four total, but I, I would not be surprised to see that be an even split and him end with at least seven and seven in a 1500 receiving yards. Yeah. And I, I think ultimately what we need to, to take away is that took Kyle Shanahan a little bit of time, but he's still the best offensive mind of the NFL and he was able to get our offense running again. And that's been great to see. Yeah. Um, just one other fun, fun piece for us to, to joke about here. If you watched any of the post-game interviews, you saw um, it's Mike Zimmer, right? Yeah. Mike, Zimmer's head Mike coach. Zimmer. Mike Zimmer. I always say Kyle Zimmer or uh, sorry, Kevin Zimmer. Cause I'm, mm-hmm. I mix up Kevin Stefanski and Kyle Zimmer. Um, Mike Zimmer had uh, complained in his post game conference, um, complained about some holding calls saying that the Niners were holding on just about every play and that it's ridiculous. And my first thought was, um, I believe what Nick Bosa has gone through. Exactly. That's what I'm like. I believe we have Nick Bosa whose Jersey gets ripped because of holding calls. And it's not, it's like when it's, when it's right in the, essentially the armpits of the, the Jersey, the chest, uh, shoulder pads on his chest. Like, you know, that that is from being held far too long. Um, so I was just thinking like, no way can, anyone be complaining to us about holding calls but no. Kittle's response was amazing tell your guys plays <laughs> I was like awesome that's tell great tell your guys to make plays that's tell your guys to make better plays you know Kittle talked about how you know that's that's football refs are going to see things refs are not going to see things people are going to say something's this others are going to say it's not and I just love that it's the head coach who's complaining about the calls and the player's like hey man it it happens it's football I just yeah. feel like the roles should be switched I feel like players are usually the ones complaining about calls and head coaches are like, well, you know what, as, as the coach, I'm not going to blame the ref. I'm not going to blame this missed call because, you know, you have an hour amount of time. There's no way that a ref or a few holding calls determined the outcome of your game. And if it did, you had time to make sure that it didn't. So I just love that, that Kittle shot back like that. I thought that was great. Yeah, no, that, that cracks me up. And I mean, Kittle, Kittle's a fire guy. He always has been. I think it's just great to see this team. You can tell this team knows it's rounding into form too. And that's fun to see. Yeah. The one bummer about this game is that we had a number of injuries. So let me just run through a couple of those. A positive. Yeah, stop that- me if you've heard that before. <laughs> yeah. Right. A positive is that Dre Greenlaw was activated and started, which was awesome. D Ford's practice window has opened. So that is the positive. Um, Hasty, uh, Jermichael Hasty and Maurice Hurst were out. Um, Hasty is still battling an ankle injury and Hurst a calf injury. Yeah. Elijah Mitchell played, even though he's been having some uh, rib issues. Finger, um, the broken finger as well. He had, I think he's been playing with a pin in his finger for two weeks. I, I just hate that sentence. I just, it hurts. I don't know how he does it. It's pretty impressive. So he played, he did great. Um, I think he's still a little bit, a little bit banged up, obviously, after this game. So not exactly sure where he's going to be. Um, Dre Greenlaw and Trey Sermon both left the game and were designated not to return. So uh, Dre Greenlaw's groin and Trey Sermon's ankle. Sermon got carted off, right? I believe Greenlaw walked off under his own power. Yeah, um, that sounds right. But when you see a guy like Sermon get carted off, um, not a guy like Sermon, just anyone get carted off. Um, that's not good, especially yeah. Dalvin Cook. He dislocated his shoulder. and we Yes, Dalvin Cook on the Vikings, dislocated yeah. shoulder. Big bummer. 
the not big, great for my fantasy team. No, me as well. The big bummer, the big news is that Debo, Samuel, and Fred Warner are both getting MRIs today. Debo hurt his groin, but did go to his post-game press conference and said he wasn't that worried about it. Yeah. Um, and Fred Warner, his hamstring, get a hamstring injury. And I believe all of them did not return, at, at least at some point. Debo is pretty much done for the day. He's done plenty. Um, and they just wanted to hold him out to make sure he was he was good. So that was when Elijah Mitchell got a few extra carries. And one of my favorite things of the game was when Debo played water boy and went over and tried to cool off Elijah Mitchell, spring water down his back because he was so hot and, and killing the game. Elijah Mitchell, man. I know we say this every week, but what a find. What a sixth round pick. What a guy. Like, talk about stepping up and right? just being great. He's been great for your fantasy team, probably. And he's been great for the 49ers. And it's just super, super fun to see. And I think the 49ers have locked up their running back situation for a couple of years. And yeah, I think we've talked about this. We love Raheem Mostert on the pod, but it's probably the end of his run with the 49ers. And it's probably Elijah Mitchell time, I would say. Yeah, no, you were right at a sixth round. I thought it was seventh round. Yeah. I got even more excited. Now I can't remember who he took in the seventh then. But... <laughs> I'm just blown away. His runs are electric. Um, He is very, very similar to Raheem Mostert, except I do think that Elijah Mitchell is, is better with yards after contact. I think that Raheem, no one's better than Raheem at getting to the side and break on those long runs, but, but Mitchell doesn't necessarily need to get outside every time to go on long runs. Um, He's able to find holes a little bit better than Raheem. I feel like he's able to bounce off of players rather than, um, kind of like eat that tackle and and not gain those extra yards like Mitchell's able to do. And um, he, he has just been electric to watch. You're right that I do think we have found um, our running game for quite a while. I still do believe that Trey Sermon factors into that, but I don't think that he eats into Mitchell's – and I'm talking futuristically. I don't really think that Sermon's going to eat into his time at all this year. But I believe in years to come that what you and I were talking about at the beginning of the season, the – kind of 1A to 1B with Moser and Sermon. I expect that we'll see that eventually and just that it'll take a little bit of time. Um, but it, it because there's just no way that Trey Sermon is just a bust and gone. Sure, it's not, at least I believe, it's not. Daniel and I disagree on that one a little. I'm kind of ready to call it on the Trey Sermon experiment. I would be so bummed with the Niners if they were just to get rid of him. Um, That's true. Straight up, even in the third round, just to get him for what he could be in our run game. Um, I do think that, you know, I don't know if he was necessarily the best running back. Well, certainly not in a draft, but in that situation, I, I don't remember who was available, but I do believe that um, eventually, I think it will take time, but eventually we will see a great one-two punch in terms of um, rushing and pass catching running backs there. So, but either way, Elijah Mitchell has been incredible. I'm blown away every single week. I know we talk about him every week, but he like gives us a new reason to every single time. Um, I love seeing George Kittle in his press conference wear his Elijah Mitchell t-shirt um, and said he, he earned it today. So that was uh, Mitchell's um, fourth 100 yard performance. So a guy who is barely in our mind. That was 50% of his games. Yeah. Right. Barely expected to make the, the roster in general. And, and even if he did, we thought it was more as a special teams injuries allowed him to have an opportunity and he has just shown up in massive ways. Um, I think he was, 
probably like he wins the award for most underrated player to start the season compared to where he is now. Um, and I bet Debo's not far behind. You know, Debo got more credit and was more aware. And I'm only saying Elijah because he was like our third running back to start the year. But yeah, with Wilson and Mostert getting hurt, he was elevated and has just shown up in so many big ways. So that was great. Yeah, it's been it's been a fun. It's the Elijah Mitchell thing has been one of the best storylines of this season for the 49ers for sure. Some of the other fun things that just some, some highlights that I had written down from yesterday was um, the, the scuffle uh, after Debo's first rushing touchdown, I believe. Um, Brenda Ayuk and, and veteran Patrick Peterson were, were getting into it. Uh, they were blocking each other and, and threw each other into the ground. Smith comes over to protect his guy. Trent Williams comes over doing the same. I loved to see that and the energy in this game, as we said earlier, really was uh, just an early playoff game. These teams are battling for the number two wildcard spot. You still have, you know, we're only in week 12. We've got is it six more weeks in. <laughs> there's, there's now 18 weeks. because I got to like count every time. So we've got six more weeks. Oh man. Is it really that close? That's crazy. Yeah. The playoffs are coming. Saying week 12 is like, yeah, that makes sense. But saying we only have six more weeks of the regular season sounds crazy. Yeah. No, you're right. It sounds ridiculous. Oh, that puts in perspective for me. Okay. Um, but it was we're, awesome. way, we're more than halfway through. Oh, yeah. Two-thirds. Yeah, two-thirds. That's crazy. Okay. Well, we're having a moment here. Um, love to see that energy. Um, I, loved, I loved our defense except for the play where – uh, Adam Thielen's second touchdown of the day. I saw a report that that was essentially Talanoa Hufunga's fault. And obviously I'm biased, but part of me just didn't understand the coverage because it didn't look like Talanoa knew that he was supposed to cover either that guy or that spot. Um, but I also think that Thielen is just that good of a receiver. He is 31, I believe. So he, he's got some experience. He's got some wisdom. And Thielen is is so good and every year people are like this is the year adam thielen isn't as good and he's always as good and he's got a crazy you know like five or six like a few years in the nfl before he like really like got his foothold it's great career great guy uh draft him every year in fantasy because every year people think it's going to be the year where he gets bad and it never is literally never is yeah i i just i love you know from a let's put my Niners jersey away for a second and say, I loved how he got that touchdown where he was just doing a slant across the field and saw that no one was really with him. So he slowed up. He started jogging to create some space. And then he kind of cut straight up towards the end of the end zone. And he was just wide open right there. I don't think that that was how his route was supposed to end, but that's, that's what makes a good receiver. Great. Is that if they, if they're just running a slant in the end zone and they're the quarterbacks looking at him, that they they're able to make a move and not do it. You got to time that right. If your quarterback's just about to throw it, you're obviously not making your move right there because he's not knowing that. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, totally. I just love I love that kind of football. I love that connection. I love that 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 wisdom there. And just a bummer that it wasn't us. So yeah, but we won, so we can admire the play because we wound up winning anyways. And we got to watch Kirk Cousins line up under our guard. Yeah, that was that was an all time <laughs> an all time great play where Kirk Cousins thought he was under the center and you see Alexander Madison, the running back who was in come up and try to move him to the side. Just a great, a great moment. I just, I such a good game. I mean, I think that our top guys like Elijah Mitchell and Debo really got it done um, as they always do. But I love seeing, you know, Jawan Jennings step up 
and he got a touchdown and he almost had a second. I mean, he was close. Um, His knee was out of bounds on that one, but him make some of those, some of those big plays. Um, Aziz had an awesome interception. That was not a, an easy ball to pick. He was in the air sideways. Like he read that and got an awesome, awesome catch. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo's interception, I think was more of good on Harrison Smith rather than bad on Jimmy Garoppolo. Cause if they did one camera angle and I wish they did all the time in replays, this is why I love being at the game is cause I can see the whole field. Yeah. But they did a, a wide camera, a high camera angle where you can see Harrison Smith faked dropping back and then had a hard stop and immediately cut forward right as he saw Jimmy G was about to throw it and just got right in the line of his throw and picked him off. And so that's just an awesome play by Harrison Smith knowing, okay, I'm going to fake coverage or actually drop back in coverage, but just be ready the second he, he throws to jump up in front. And, you know, they watch their film. They know Jimmy doesn't air it out a whole lot. So getting in line of the short passes was, was a smart move. Yeah, no, it's been a great, uh, it's just been a great, last three weeks of 49ers football man let's make it a great so much fun yeah what do we need let's look ahead to seattle what do we what do we expect what do we need to see yeah 49ers take on the seahawks this week um in seattle this time i'd like to see a win the seahawks are kind of reeling we've talked about this in the podcast every time the seahawks come up i don't think people outside of like seahawks fans that i hear on podcasts are like are talking about how bad the Seahawks have been this year. They're a disaster. Like Pete Carroll will probably get fired at the end of this season. I actually think he should have been fired last season. That's an interesting take I have. But anyways, that's an interesting. Take I just I said my own take was interesting. Yes, I didn't, <laughs> yeah, but it is. I'd be, anyways, I'd be shook if Pete Carroll got fired simply because of the the rapport that he has. But I absolutely agree. Yeah, that they have been struggling. Note because a lot of the, the Seahawks fans will say, "Oh, Russ was out." Uh three weeks four weeks did he miss he's yeah. back and they still stink so. yeah and they they stunk with him before i my Pete carroll take comes down to i really think the offense that Pete carroll wants to run with kind of a run first philosophy holds back russell wilson and so that's why even last season i was saying like when you have Pete carroll coming up and saying we need to run the ball more when like every football person is like that's the exact opposite of what you need to do that's when you need to start thinking about firing your coach yeah, I think it's all going to implode at the end of this season. Personally, whether Russ goes somewhere, whether Carroll goes somewhere, it's going to be a mess. I'm going to love watching it. Anyways, 49ers travel to Seattle this weekend, take on the Seahawks. Russ is back. It really has not provided that much of a of a spark this season. Anyways, the Seahawks are currently. Let's take a quick look. They're they're second to the only team that the Seahawks have a better record than in the NFC is the Detroit Lions. They are three and seven on on the season, Daniel three and seven. So with that, I think the 49ers are, or the Seahawks are red are bad. And I, the 49ers lost to them last time, but Jimmy went out um, halfway through. This was kind of the beginning of some of those games of floundering. We had, I think the 49ers win. And quite frankly, I don't know why this would be any more challenging a game than the Jaguars. The only thing I worry about is that Russell Wilson is on the field and he has looked bad and he's coming back from a big finger injury. Maybe he's still recovering. Maybe he has some flashes of Russell William Russell Wilson brilliance. And that, that does worry me, but ultimately I, I think this should be an easier win than the Vikings. I think this should be a pretty, 
this should be a cruise win based on how the Seahawks are playing, but it's a divisional matchup and it still is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and one of the perennially elite teams. So something could happen. I don't expect it to, I expect the 49ers to cruise. Yeah. I mean, you've said before that all of our division games are always weird games, you know, where, what was it? Uh, what was the score when we played the card? Excuse me. When we played the Cardinals the first time, and Kyler was active, like seventeen ten or something like that. Yeah, it's like I think it was seventeen ten. So it was super weird game with Kyler with Hopkins in, and it was seventeen ten. Super weird. Second time we played the Cardinals, no, uh, no DeAndre Hopkins, no Kyler Murray, and a much bigger win for the Cardinals when we played Colt McCoy, who had one yeah. of the best games of his career. Like weird. We beat the Rams when we weren't necessarily expecting to. We thought there was a chance, but if we were honest, I think that we said, yeah, we're probably not in favor right now. Um, so you're right. It is a weird division. It it always happens in a weird way. And I, I will agree that it the game with the Seahawks fits right in between the Vikings and the Jaguars game, where it's not going to be as easy as the Jaguars. Um, and it shouldn't be as hard as the Vikings game. But because it's a divisional game, I, I think that whatever we predict we're going to see is just not going to sure. happen. I guess what, I'm, what I want 49ers fans to do going into this game is I want them to throw out everything they think they know about the Seattle Seahawks. These are not those Seattle Seahawks. They stink this year. They are not good. Russell Wilson is not good. There is some serious animosity going on between him and that organization. It's just their defense is nothing like it used to be. It's borderline bad. The only player I can name on their defense right now who's good is Jamal Adams, and he's kind of a weird safety anyway. Yeah, but Bobby Wagner's not good anymore. He's falling off the cliff. But you think about, like, I just don't think the 49ers are – I don't think the Seahawks are a good team right now, and I just want – like I don't want to, I don't want to jinx anything, and I still I agree with you. It's a divisional game; it's going to be weird. But I do think it's our our job, our responsibility, our duty as podcasters to prepare our listeners going in. And so, with that in mind, I really do want you to try to forget what you think you know about the Seattle Seahawks and realize that they're bad this year. And they might still win; they might fix it, but they have been bad this season on defense, on offense, on everything. They have not been a good team. And so I just Dude, want I could you to not imagine. That. I could not imagine Russ being on a different team. Neither can I. But it it seems I like. What were the four teams? It was the Raiders, the Bears, Bears, Saints. Maybe the Saints. The Saints with Russ. I think the Browns will be in the market for a for a veteran this season. That'll oh be interesting. Gosh, it's gonna so be. It's gonna be a mess. But I am telling you right now, I do not expect one of him or Carroll will be gone this season. If the Seahawks are smart. They'll choose Wilson, but Carroll is so entrenched in that organization. They might, they might keep him and let Wilson walk. I could be completely wrong, but I've been saying it for over a year now. I really think there's something. I really think Carroll is holding Russ back. And I think, so I, I think there will be some, it almost happened last season. Last season was kind of felt like Russ was kind of floating the trial balloon of leaving, you know, probably watched Rogers with all his stuff. What was going on? I thought Russ was going to leave. I thought it was going to happen. Yeah. No, I think it explodes this season. And yeah. if the Seahawks are smart, they'll file their fi- they will fire Pete Carroll the day the season ends and be like, "Russ, who do you want as your coach? Just pick your who guy." Do you want? Like that's that's really what they and, should uh, do. I saw a report before the Niners game saying that uh, turnovers and third downs will determine the winner. And I kind of thought, yeah, that makes sense. Of every game. 
any game, of course, but I, I do, I didn't get to read all of it. So I just kind of watched the headline. So you can't always go with just what you immediately think, sure. but I will say that um, I do agree with that line being extra true for that game, because I think that the, the Vikings seem to have been struggling with some of the same things, but that's what we've been saying for weeks is that the third downs and turnovers have been the biggest problem for the Niners. So you know, we, we've seen them shape up in that the last few weeks, and I think that was a big reason to why they won. Um, but I think that's another thing moving forward for the Seahawks. But the two biggest things that we need to, to watch out for against the Seahawks, I believe, are obviously our injuries. Do we even have Debo, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Trey Sermon's yeah. not as much of an issue. Where's Elijah Mitchell at? You know, um, Lake and Tomlinson was battling some injuries as well. Like, you know, it's football, so we're always going to be bruised and battered throughout <laughs> the is, season. That is part of football. But especially, like, we're, we just finished week 12. We're, we just finished two-thirds of the season. We have an extra game this year. It's tough. These guys got to make sure that they're taking as best to care of themselves as they can, and that's not – you know, I'm not saying it's all up to them. <laughs> but we really, really need to be watching for these injuries. Uh, as I said, Debo and, and Fred Warner will have MRIs today. Yeah. We will hopefully see no damage um, to either of them. Uh, Debo's groin, Fred Warner's hamstring. Um, but even if they come back negative, doesn't necessarily mean they're good to go. So I, I say this every week that you need to look at the injury report and understand who we have. Because if you're going to watch the Niner game and you don't know that Debo is not playing until like the Sunday before, you're going to be very unprepared yeah. for the game ahead. So sure. the injuries are a big note. But the, the biggest thing is what has been working for the Niners is time of possession. The Vikings had 22 minutes and 53 seconds of time of possession, and the Niners had the remaining 37 minutes and seven seconds. It was, I believe, against the Rams, we had twice the amount of time, uh, time of possession. I don't remember what it was against the Jaguars, but when I was watching highlights and keeping up with the game, um, on my phone, it was just the Jaguars had not even touched the ball in the first quarter. Their offense didn't. Yeah. I believe they barely did in the, in the first half at all. So time of possession is huge. Um, stop them, get that, have our defense stop them, get that ball back and, and run that clock out, you know, eat up their clock and, and use it to our advantage. And our short passing plays, our, our run plays, where we go first down after first down after first down and, slowly but surely make our way to the end zone. That's, that's a great tactic. So I think we can expect a win. I think it, we can expect a weird game as we've talked about. I think that we need to see um, just like we did yesterday. We need to see our stars like Debo and Elijah Mitchell and Nick Bosa and Fred Warner just come out and do, do what they do every week. But we also still need those, those next tier guys um, like Drake Greenlaw and Aziz Alshare who have been awesome uh, we need to see our secondary still keep the form that they have been because comparatively to where they were at in the start of the season, my goodness, they've been amazing comparatively. Um, I'm not saying except for Josh Norman yesterday, not a fan. Um, yeah, I, th I think that's the kind of game we can expect. And you're right. The Seahawks have struggled, but you know, there's no way that the Niners are preparing for this game going, Oh, the Seahawks have struggled. We're going to be fine. Also they prepare differently than, than we do. Of course. But it's a weird game. Um, I don't even know what what to expect from the Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, 
uh, trio we got there. Um, Timmy, do you know, is Chris Carson healthy? No, I think Chris Carson might be done for the season. He had like a neck injury. Their run game is pretty depleted. They're down to like Rashad Penny keeps getting injured. They might be running Alex Collins. I, I think Carson is done for the season with a neck injury. He definitely has not played since week four again. Wow. He has not played since he played us. Yeah. I know that, that Alex Collins has been their starting back for a while, but I didn't realize how, how uh, out Chris Carson yeah, was. I, if I don't have uh, yeah. a running back in fantasy, I pretty much don't know what he's doing. Yeah. Their run game is, is not, is borderline non-existent right now. Yeah. I'm not too worried about Alex Collins, but he definitely did well against us last time. So can't sleep on him. That's what we got. That's what we can expect. Um, again, every week I say it, watch the injury report this week, especially um, Debo actually could not be playing next week. And that'll be a huge bummer. Yeah. Same thing with uh, if we have Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw out, that's going to be tough. If uh, Aziz Alshair and Marcel Harris, who I love are our starting linebackers. That's iffy, you know, that's yeah. iffy. Yeah, but honestly, and this, like I said, how we need to rethink how we think of the Seahawks. This might be a good game to have injuries in. Like, this might be a team where we don't need those guys. And I, I hate saying this because I just feel like I'm jinxing something. And I'm, I'm knocking on wood as I talk. But looking at the, how this team has been this year, we probably don't need to worry about it. I was looking ahead to see who we play after. So week 14 is the Bengals. Week 15 is the Falcons, and then what we thought was going to be a really, really tough and scary game against the Titans isn't looking as tough and scary. Definitely still a game we need to watch out I, for. I worry about that a little because there's a chance Derrick Henry's back by then. But I, yeah. I agree. This is 49ers can win Sunday because I agree. It is the Seahawks, which is just weird, and it's going to be hard no matter what. But if we can win this, we've got a nice chance to go on a pretty little run here. And I think I'm much more worried about the Bengals than I am the Seahawks. Yeah. That's a weird thing to say, but it's true based it on the set of really is, especially after yesterday, yeah. the Bengals just handed it to the Steelers. But you're yeah. right. What a weird sentence that I'm more worried about the Bengals game than the Seahawks yeah. game. Like, never did I thought I'd be saying that. No. Well, listeners, thank you for uh, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed Sunday's uh, really just a great game overall against the Vikings. Um, good good luck watching against the Seahawks. I even with all the all the things I was saying about their team, I'm nervous as heck going up against this team. But yeah, should be a fun one. And let's just keep watching our Niners roll. Any th- any parting thoughts out there, Daniel? I love what you said. We, we've got a good few weeks coming up. Um, we have not clinched, but we are currently holding the number two wild card seed. So quest quest for sixth. You know yeah. what? We can even say quest for fifth if we're truly one. One win behind the Rams, that is crazy. So they have lost their last three games. So let's keep an eye on them. And this this wild card race is going to be tight. So these next few games, as you said, are going to be really crucial. So they need all the fan support they can get. So go Niners. Yeah. All right. Stay safe out there.